Hi, welcome to Coffee and Creatives. Today we're taking a break from the creative habit to talk with Deborah Rose, a musician from England. I really enjoyed this interview and I hope you do too. So grab a cup of coffee and join us. All right, so we have a special guest with us today. Um, and we'll get, we'll do a little bit more of an introduction with her in just a bit, but we're going to start out like we always start out with, uh, what are we drinking? So today I am drinking some Chardonnay. What about you, Becca? What are you drinking today? Why do you always go, just go to Christina? <laughs> just go to her one time. I'm not drinking anything. I'm drinking <laughs> water, so don't go to me. I had too much coffee. I had too I, much coffee already, so. I am drinking iced coffee, and I put, um this almond milk creamer in it which is really good it's got um coconut and almond and it makes it taste like candy which is delicious that's awesome Mm. yeah i already had three cups of coffee today so it's like probably should yeah i had to cut myself off for now so i wanted to go back for a second cup but i stopped myself because i was like one i don't want to have to pee 30 times in church (laughs) too i want to save it for when we record coffee and creatives there Smart. you go what about you deborah what are what are you drinking i'm on the water too because mm. i had morning coffee and then i had more coffee and then i had tea of course um, <laughs> yeah. a cup of tea darling um, <laughs> and it's much later where you are as well. and it's, yeah so it's water for me beyond six o'clock mm. <laughs> Um, well, I am so excited to introduce our guest today is Deborah Rose. Um, Deborah is a Welsh singer-songwriter. She's performed internationally in California, in Maryland, and across the UK and Europe. She's opened for Judy Collins, American songwriter Kenny White, and Jimmy Webb, as well as many other UK artists and even presidential nominee Marianne Williamson uh, last year. She has three albums and one on the way with a single coming out soon. Her unique sound has been likened to Emmylou Harris and Eva Cassidy, who I'm sure will come up later. Um, And her style transcends genres inspired by such as Shakespeare, Charles Dickens, and the Pre-Raphaelites. A unique part of Deborah's work is her music therapy and songwriting workshops. And her passion for music is for music, but also just sharing it with others. And I met Deborah at a songwriting workshop in Nashville about three years ago. Um, And she's just a creative and musical force in my life, but also a really close friend. So we are so excited to have Deborah with us today. Yeah, thanks for coming, Deborah. Thank you for having me. It's so nice. Um, so I guess we'll just jump in to kind of what we always talk about, which is creativity and our artistic journey. And I know that you and I have talked about this a lot, um, but I think it's going to be really exciting to kind of let other people into all of that. Um, so if you, we just start with how your creative journey started or where it started and what it it kind of looked like for you okay yeah well um I guess I always enjoyed creative pursuits from an early age but things like 
kind of poetry and making things and um, generally was always kind of organizing things and uh, singing was something that I came to quite late um, in terms of I would sort of sing to myself when I was young um, but I never really imagined that it would be a career or something that I would do other than just for myself Um, so I guess I think it was when I moved away from Wales and started uh, high school. That was when I was kind of encouraged to sing in the school play and people would hear me sing. And then um, I kind of realized um, that I, you know, had a voice that I wanted to kind of develop. So uh, even though I went to university and studied journalism and and English and went down that route, uh, singing was always that that one thing that I wanted to do but it felt like a kind of dream Um, and a lot of the time I felt a little bit embarrassed to admit it that that was what I kind of wanted to do because it felt like it was not a serious thing to you know not something that I could achieve Um, that wasn't something that was available to me I had to kind of do a proper job and do something academic and I probably would have liked to have gone to drama school but kind of didn't really have that encouragement or the confidence to think that I could do that so I always did my studies and then on the side would kind of set up my own duos or bands and things like that so um, I took a gap year before I went to university to do journalism and that's when I started singing in a duo with a saxophone player and, and a pianist and I got quite a lot of work in hotels, christenings, weddings, parties and things like that. And it was paid work. So, um, you know, we did a lot of covers. um, And I think that's where I kind of explored my um, love of sort of pop music, jazz music, kind of a bit of folk, but had quite a a wide repertoire that I had to learn. And we do sort of two hours a night of different songs. that couple now they actually run a music school in America they're actually living in mm. California but they were just living in the next street to my parents when I lived with them um so I sort of that was my kind of first experience of professional singing which sort of set me set me up really for that that experience of performance and 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 being um sort of pe- paid for it and then um when I finished university I went into work in a job in public relations and journalism, so I was working full time. Um, but again, I was singing like three, four times a week and um, doing that as a kind of sideline. Um, and then 10 years ago was when I went part time from that working in a communications field. And that, that's when I, I decided to study songwriting. And then as I was studying, I knew then that was what I wanted to do full-time as my job so I've been sort of self-employed as a musician for 10 years now wow yeah and I think that's so interesting that Deborah has an MA in songwriting I don't think I know anybody uh, especially like professional songwriters that actually have a degree in songwriting um and I don't know like is that was that something that somebody recommended to you to do or was it something you just felt like would give you kind of the credentials and like the experience it's a really interesting question because I remember sort of feeling at a crossroads in my life and thinking I've got this burning desire inside me to create and 
and sing and, and write. Um, and I want to go to Nashville was what I thought. I just want to go to Nashville because I'd heard, you know, this was the place to go for music. And I remember typing into my computer um, corset. I was going to do like, I was like maybe two weeks in Nashville, go on holidays there and combine it with a songwriting course. So I put into my computer songwriting courses um, in Nashville, I think. But then what came up was this songwriting festival in uh, a place in the UK called um, Bath. I don't know if you know Bath, Somerset, where the Roman baths are. Everybody and, who's um, read Jane Austen knows oh, Bath. Sorry, I know. It's terrible of me to say that. <laughs> yes, there's the Jane Austen Museum there. Um, and um, I thought, and this songwriting festival was for one week where you go, it's like a residential and um, you could write with professional songwriters like I think the guy from Snow Patrol was there and people like mm. that and I had the choice of doing that for a week or um, or going to Nashville and I was sort of weighing up the two and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because it's kind of easier it's closer to home I did that it was just probably one of the best weeks of my life it was just so incredible just doing what I loved every day and I recorded two tracks professionally and um and co-wrote with people and I was like this is what I want to do and then it was that I learned that they do an MA they at that particular university they did an, an MA a master's degree which would take two years uh, so I went to my boss at work and said, um, can I do, is, it, is there any chance I can do part-time here and part-time at university? She said yes, uh, which was great. So I did three days at work and two days um, at Bath. And it took, I think the degree actually took me maybe three years, um, took me a year longer than I thought because of um, just the travel and workload and everything. But it was the first time um, I think it was the first MA in the world, apparently, um, that they'd kind of got this accreditation to make it a master's degree. Um, and some people were a little bit uh, sort of dubious, like, how can you get an, an MA in something like songwriting? Um, but, um, yeah, they managed to do that. And it was a really, really useful course. Um yeah, it wasn't particularly, it didn't delve deeply into composition and music theory and things like that. It was more of a kind of an, an overview. And for me, it was, a, it was a stepping stone into becoming professional. And I think now, um, I can't remember how many years ago I did, I did that. Now, um, I think maybe that was a struggle sometimes with the chronology of everything. Um, but however many years ago that was, feels like it was a decade ago or something um i um i've realized now that i i feel i can teach it with authority whereas i wouldn't i didn't do that course with that in mind that i was going to be a teacher i did it because i just desperately wanted to write songs um and now my work is being i'm being led to to teach um so i can do it with more confidence knowing that i've got a qualification in it even though i don't have any other qualifications in music as such mm -hmm. um that yeah. makes me that makes me feel that i i can teach because i have that qualification even though it's still a difficult thing to to teach in a way i think yeah well and it was probably like you know a pretty big investment of like time 
and money, but just to see how that has like paid off and given you like sure. all these other experiences. I think that's really cool. And um, I think your story is so encouraging too for people who have already like been like, okay, well, these are, I missed my window in college. I studied this or I did that where mm-hmm. it's like you can still pursue your creative life even if you're like you've started down a different path it doesn't mean that you only can start a creative life when you're 18 or something like that you can come to it later absolutely for sure and I think also you realize how sometimes the things overlap so even though my work was in communications I've realized that that's very important for what I do as well because I learned a lot of skills working in a corporate environment that when you're managing yourself because I'm an inde- I'm still independent it's not that I've um, kind of signed to a record label or anything so I have to do all of those um, administrative things myself and represent myself so uh, I'm really grateful actually that I did work in in a communications field as well so sometimes you don't realize it but all of those things are kind of training you for your life's purpose even though it might not be uh what you think it is at the time Mm -hmm. yeah so how so can you talk a little bit about what your process is and if you have any or what your rituals are for creating about how that was like influenced from corporate life or or how you've come to those different processes yeah I think that that's kind of an interesting segue into it as well, because when I was working full time in a corporate environment, I had a, an allocation of holidays, you know, something like, I don't know, say for argument's sake, it was 10 days a year or something. And all I wanted to do in that spare time was go into the recording studio or have time to songwrite. So whenever I would go on holidays, for me, it, was, it wasn't about, you know, chilling out and switching off completely it was about this is my time now to to write so that's what I did um and I would find that going away to a retreat center or there's a place in Scotland like a little cottage in fact I think that was probably one of the first songs that I wrote that I felt had an appeal um that people kind of you know request and ask me to sing um is a song that I wrote in Scotland called Tyre Larin which is Gaelic, you'll um, probably be interested if you're a linguist. Um, I am. (laughs) Tyalarin is um, Gaelic for beautiful house. And it was this gorgeous little cottage that my dad's friend owns right on this lock um, called Loch Katrine, where actually a lot of um, composers like Schubert, he was there and he wrote Ave Maria there. Um, Sir Walter Scott wrote Lady of the Lake. I think a few of the... Um, pre-Raphaelite painters would have painted the landscape so there was already that sort of inspiration in the air and I went to that cottage for two weeks with my guitar and came away with that song Tyalarin and there is something mystical about that song that I believe was me taking something from that actual place so so really my creative process I find is is going to places and shutting myself off and saying, this is my time to songwrite and, you know, staying in that contemplative space and making space, making, you know, having a peaceful, dedicated, devoted time to writing. I mean, obviously there are times when you're on a bus or you're on your walk or 
you're just listening to a conversation or something where a line might come to you or, you know, you kind of never switch off from it. You're always sort of writing. But um, I find that um, most of the songs that I've written have been when I've gone on retreats, like gone to Nashville and the songwriting retreats because because life gets full of everything else. So I think um, I find that works for me personally. You should, real quick, before we go to the next question, you should tell them about the Queen in uh, Scotland. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't write that down, actually. Um, yeah, well remembered. Um, so, um, and it, that kind of ties in with what Christina was saying about investment as well at the time, because I think we all probably struggle with justifying maybe time, also obviously money. Um, uh, but... Uh, it's, it amazes me how when you commit to these things and you go on these retreats or um, you take that leap of faith by doing the course you want to do, um, you look back and, you, and, and when you get a song out of it, you look back and you think, oh, I'm so glad that I said yes to that and I went. And this was an example of that because um, I, I, these songwriting workshops that I met Christina on, um, they can be very addictive and <laughs> I thought I would only go for like she's one been to like five of them and you know they're not they're not cheap and um, I'd always say this is my last one now this is my last one um but something would call me to go and there was one I think I'd done one in Nashville probably when I, I'd met the one that I when I'd met Christina in Nashville and then um the course leader uh, Mary Gaucher she was coming to Scotland uh, which is, you know, a 45-minute plane journey for me. Um, so I thought, I've just got to go. And it was at this castle in Aberdeen. Um, and I thought, this is so extravagant. This is so self-indulgent. What am I doing? But I'm going to do it. And I went. And um, the one morning we were invited to go to church and um, quite a few people opted out, but... Um, so glad I went because um, we we went into the church. There was a bit of kind of security around, and we were told to not take photographs. So I was thinking, oh, what's going on? And um, there was the Queen sat Whoa. in in the pew opposite me, and um, <laughs> it was just like this. There was only fifty of us, and she was on holidays at Balmoral uh-huh. um, for a couple of weeks. So that was her local church, and the Reverend. Uh, was actually talking about how songwriting is such a powerful way of healing and um, was talking about the incredible nature of music and how we all need it for our souls and you know the kind of queen was listening to this and I thought that's really awesome Um, and he was talking about um, Jacob in the bible wrestling with angels and then there was this hymn and I just literally scribbled these things down and then um I wrote a song uh called wrestling with angels which was kind of one of the the songs on my latest album um which again became one of those songs that that people relate to um has a universal kind of appeal um and again, another song that was written in Scotland, which is strange because I live in Wales. I've come from Wales, but most of my inspiration comes from going away to Scotland. Mm. Um, yeah. That's so, so again, interesting. <laughs> again, yeah. it's just so saying, many amazing like connections there. I'm still an 
We talk a lot about, or we talked about a lot in our first season was creative U turns. Um, mm. And um, uh, so a creative U turn is something that seems like it's like a dead end or like it's something that has blocked you or it's some sort of failure, and how to turn that failure into a success. And Noelle has worked a lot with the, she's really good at it. Um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> No, I just have a lot of, uh, I've got a lot of, uh, I've re reached a lot of dead ends, <laughs> but that's okay. So we were just wondering what were some of the difficult situations you were able to turn into creative U-turns for yourself? Yeah, I was thinking about this, because uh, Christina had mentioned some of the nature of the questions, and I was thinking about creative U-turns, and I think this is probably the most challenging question in a way, because in terms of like creativity it's sort of always been a kind of you might have a period where you're not writing as much or you kind of go off and put the guitar down for a few months and you do something different um mm -hmm. so I think I've probably had quite a lot of kind of endings in my life a lot of kind of dead ends in my life or kind of twists and turns or bumpy road and and I think that you know, looking back on my life, that those, the fact that the last 10 years particularly has not been a particularly sort of straight line, um, that those bends in the road have been where I've done my greatest, um, well, I say my greatest writing, but I mean, you know, my kind of, um, you know, where I've written more and where I feel that the songs have been deeper have uh, come from from a deeper place because you know I've had ups and downs in my life and and I think combined with like my my journey of, of faith as well um so I say creative u-term is more that how situations in my life have just turned into music really turned mm. into my songs um like you know having a really bad car accident and um various sort of um trials in my life and then that's how I've have made music out of those the healing from it you know the mm -hmm. songs the writing the songs have been healing for me um especially the last album the shining pathway that I wrote that was a kind of very personal and healing album for me hmm. have you ever had a, an experience of when you've gone away on a trip to write or gone to um, a workshop and you haven't had inspiration like you've done all the the right rituals to allow for that creative moment and it hasn't come or do you I always get touch wood I want to touch wood here but I because I can't I can't really think <laughs> of, I'm sure that is gonna I'm sure that is gonna happen to me but I I, I felt I think things for me um, and Christina will know about this but that I find difficult sometimes I'll 
I'll really find it difficult to share my work. I'll kind of get this sort of like strange stage fright around um, a lot of anxiety around actually, you know, releasing things like Mm -hmm. because fear of judgment and all of those kind of things. So my sort of um, I freeze around around that kind of that kind of thing. But when I was in Scotland, I guess I was really struggling um, and I prayed I prayed for a melody as I just felt like I had suddenly just lost all musicality. <laughs> just thought, oh my God, like, it happens. what's happened to me? I was like, really? Is this, is this what I'm kind of with? So I kind of, I think part of my prayer was just like, please help me, you know, please help me with yeah. a, a melody. And then not only did I come up with the melody for Wrestling with Angels, but I actually met a beautiful woman called Melody from Canada. And she wrote a song called Bird butterfly um which i ended up recording on my album um so it was like uh, what i would describe as a plan a plus with that wow. sort of, uh, <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> that's so amazing deborah has like so much synchronicity around her work i like i can't handle it but it's, am- it's amazing though it's all so amazing i love it <laughs> Um, so I just, I, I mean, I know a lot about your influences, obviously we've talked about this a lot, but I guess just something that would be fun to know is who are your greatest influences? It could be like musical music, or it could be just in art and the world in general, but who would you say influences your work? Or maybe you just like admire their work as well. Yeah, I think I'm always sort of. I, I always return to someone like Joni Mitchell just because there's so much in her lyrics and I just think it's so incredible what she, you know, the fact that she's a painter and her her melodies and her reinventions. So there's always just so much in Joni Mitchell's work for me. So I, I, I would sort of, I guess, I find her quite aspirational because she's just kind of so cool and um, so clever um, so I really admire her as a woman. Um, and, um, Johnny Mitchell is mean, my husband's favorite artist. He's always really, like, oh, Johnny mm, Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. So great. Yeah. Like the album Blue and Song mm-hmm. to a Seagull. Um, and then Christina mentioned earlier, I'm really interested in the pre-Raphaelite um, the kind of arts and crafts movement. So um, a lot of the Victorian poets and the painters. And uh, when I was um, 30, I got invited to perform at the Isle of Wight Festival, which was another a sort of like turning point in my, in my life because the Isle of Wight Festival, Joni Mitchell did actually perform there in the 60s. And um, she kind of, it was, it was such an epic festival um i think um it was the last one it it kind of shut down and then it resurrected but um she performed there and she got really upset because everybody was kind of raucous and talking over her singing and she just basically told the whole audience off for being really disrespectful (laughs) so yeah watch that um yeah i i love white festival Joni mitchell um and um I performed at that festival. It was a bit of a 
strange. That's another story of how I got to perform at that festival. It's kind of like quite a pop festival now. Um, and I thought that was going to kind of maybe take me in that route. But what it did was it led me to a lot of people on the Isle of Wight that um, led me to a lot of the Victorian poets, painters that would have mm. congregated a hundred years ago on that island. Um, mm. People like Charles Darwin went there. Um, Tennyson wrote The Lady of Shalott. He lived there for 40 years. Um, and what they all did was supported themselves, um, supported each other. There would be a photographer called Julia Margaret Cameron, who was the first woman to make photography an art form. And she would make um, photographs with lavender and gunpowder, lavender oil and gunpowder, gunpowder and egg white. That's how she developed these incredible photos. So there was like a kind of collective of, um, of theorists and they would also, you know, discuss faith and, um, you know, the meaning of life. Um, nursery rhymes like Owl and the Pussycat Alice in Wonderland, a lot of that stuff was written. Charles, Charles Dickens wrote David Copperfield there. So that pop festival that I was invited to, I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to kind of, you know, get a record deal or something because the owner of it managed people like Pixie Lot and The Cause and people like that. Mm. So there was that kind of expectation of, oh, maybe, you know, this might lead to something like that. But it didn't. It led me to meeting a load of people who were in this kind of group of of artists and they're now kind of a lot of uh, live in America as well my friend um lives in Ojai California and she's um a photographer and in fact she did the video for the song that um Christina and I wrote together Shallow Waters so um all of that inspires me the that kind of old-fashioned arts and craft movement and William Morris and people like that you know who did the wallpaper and the furniture um mm, so yeah. I'd say probably that's um that's kind of main influence and then books that I read um I mean C.S. Lewis as well you've mentioned Christina the book Mere Christianity well C.S. Lewis was did live around here um and some of his um book like the story of narnia were inspired by the lampshades in malvern which is a little town not far well, from here um so i just yeah, talked through mm. this year british literature um and so like hearing you talk about tennyson and lewis and all this stuff is like, yeah. wow, it's so much yeah. more tangible than what <laughs> like what i'm trying to get across to my students because you're like breathing the same air that they <laughs> like breathe so. But you do you have Robert Louis Stevenson? Was mm-hmm. he kidnapped? <laughs> was he <laughs> um, kidnapped? <laughs> uh, what on Treasure Island? <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think I. Yeah, I don't think I mentioned where you currently live. I said you're um, from Wales, but do you want to just say where you live now? Uh, well, I live in Shropshire now, um, so. Um, do you know A.E. A. E. Houseman, who wrote Shropshire Lad? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he his, his ashes, if you could see, if it wasn't so sunny, you could see the church tower and his ashes are um, basically at the church tower there. 
Wow. Um, That's so... amazing. <laughs> I wish you could see it. I'm like I on cloud nine. You have to come and visit me. Yeah. Yes. I'll be on my way tomorrow. <laughs> come on, let's not just forget this me. podcast. <laughs> you should yes. just come and, come and have tea here. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so nice. Um, mm. So speaking of like people that you admire and kind of the pre-Raphaelites and all of that, you've worked with a lot of musicians and artists, you've co-written. Um, how do you, and because collaboration is sometimes part of, you know, the artistic endeavors, but sometimes it's not, but it is for you. How has that process of collaboration been for you? Like, I guess, what do you, what advice would you give or what has stood out to you as you've collaborated um yeah on the on the on the ma course there was a module about collaboration so you actually get guided through that you know how a collaboration session looks and the thing the pitfalls and things to look out for and stuff like that so um i think i did a part of my written thesis was on that kind of collaboration and then of course when you're actually um doing it for real um (laughs) sometimes it can be quite tricky um um and I think that you have to I think the main thing I would say is that you have to be in the right place in your own in your own um um field or your own journey and yeah you have to you have to really I think it helps when you're when you're feeling kind of fulfilled yourself and then you feel ready to to share that process with others because I think it can be really difficult if um yeah you're not you're you're not open to it and you're still feeling a bit kind of precious about a song or something um I think it's Mm. good to collaborate with people that you know you I mean I had a really good experience with Christina collaborating because we're you know kind of really close friends and you know we just uh there was just a a really lovely energy because I think Christina being really skilled on the piano um and with chords and um we had a kind of deadline and I think she made some chocolate muffins as well, which really helped. <laughs> had a deadline as in like the next day. Really. Like it was midnight and I was going, I think we should just leave it. Let's go to bed. No, she said, come on, we can do this. Um, so I think it, it really helps if you have that kind of love and understanding with somebody and, and that the ego is kind of completely out the window. Um, otherwise it can be really quite, a painful process I think someone um, you can be humble with I guess yeah and vulnerable with as well vulnerable, yeah. yeah vulnerable and humble and open um and I think when your collaborations start working more is probably a sign that you're becoming more professional because you're less attached to it personally and you see it as a sort of a song that is for somebody else and you mm. get out of your own way um mm. I have a lot of trouble doing that with writing where I'll write something and it'll be like for me, but I don't, I have a hard time like editing it and making it for like everyone or Mm. not for everyone, but for, for the other instead of just as like a personal like reflection, interior reflection. How how do you get out of like, how do you, how do you get out of your own way? 
Well, I think um, maybe it's, for example, this song, The Rings of Saturn, this new single that um, I've, I'm just working on releasing soon. That has been a really good practice for me because it's been more of a lighthearted sort of more about wordplay, more about um, just creating something that's going to uplift people's moods, hopefully, um, rather than a song which is kind of deeply personal and I've kind of got a lot of emotional investment in. Mm. So I think it um, that feels quite different for me now to be thinking about releasing a song that is, um, yeah, something that... I feel it's just something to just go, right, there we go. Hopefully people kind of will feel good about it or rather than it being too close, like confessional, too confessional. Um, so I, feel, I felt mm. that was, and that was a song I wrote on a, on a Mary Gaucher workshop in Nashville. So I think I'd learned the craft a bit. I think I, I was further on in my journey of learning the craft of songwriting rather than just going, this is how I feel and I'm going to write this and then I'm going to kind of, you know, make it this emotional journey. It was more about, I want this song to work. So there has to be, it ha I want it to be three and a half minutes as opposed to like, you know, a six minute sort of yeah. extravaganza. I think it's hard <laughs> to know when, like which projects, to like, mm, like kind of separate yourself from emotionally. And I don't know, I'd be interested to know how that is with like painting Noel, because that's like writing and songwriting is so personal, yeah. you know, and with well, visual, I don't know yeah. about that stuff, so. I think, you know, as a painter and a visual artist, it's we, well, I feel like I often have an advantage where it's like, okay, I can just put my painting on that wall and then walk away. You know, I'm not performing yeah. and I have to read people's faces while I perform. So I think sometimes I'm, well, I don't know. It can be hard, I think, to like know which is too personal to share. You know, like those mm -hmm. really intimate moments. Um, but I guess for me, it's just like, trying to oh I don't have very good words this afternoon I'm sorry <laughs> I know you've I had it's... like you say like sometimes your art is just for you and mm. to make that mm. bridge to make it for other people for you has been yeah. difficult at times I think that was part of like your you being blocked with blocked, your website yeah. yeah yeah well I think it's like this is a deeply personal painting of like my sister or example you know working through feelings about towards her and to recognize the universal the universality of you know other people relating to sisters or to another woman and you know that can be in a sort of unique way so to kind of zoom out and you know this for me is this but it could be this for someone else mm. And thinking about like a more zoomed out than my microscopic sort of yeah. view of my art. And of yeah. course, is, with with painting, you wouldn't collaborate with painting. I shouldn't imagine it's something yeah. that is just all of you. So, you know, there is yeah. that impersonal investment when it's just something that you have created. Yeah. Well, when you were talking about collaborating, I was thinking about um, when people do commissions and how that's mm. sort of a collaboration oh, in a way. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I was thinking, have I ever collaborated with anyone? <laughs> I don't think so. But with a commission, you know, people have a an expectation that as the painter, you need to you need to meet, or you're not getting paid. So, 
Mm-hmm. And that but. probably would be pretty tricky because you have to, there's a power dynamic there that's probably like, I have the money, so do it the way I want it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I've never bumped up against that, but everybody that has requested a commission from me has been really nice. So <laughs> I could see that being a problem. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I guess um, like a publisher writing for a publisher or like yeah. a, an article for somebody else or things like that. And then, you know, with I know Deborah's had like with collaboration, songwriting, you've had input from like producer and you've had input from like a musician. So it's kind of like, you know, navigating those outside sources and figuring out where to like, I don't know, push, push against them or where to like go with your gut and we've talked about that before too but yeah it's like negotiation isn't it and also when you're writing a song you you do have the audience to kind of think about because Mm, um but whilst you you want to write something that's true because or something that obviously is from you because then that is going to resonate more and people will feel it if you feel it otherwise because I found on the MA MA songwriting course we had to write a song a week so we that was our homework and then we would come to class and then we perform the song and that was a really good discipline but a lot of these songs they because they weren't because they were sort of written to brief they were a lot more commercial and strangely mm, enough yeah. a lot of those songs I never recorded and put on an album or anything um because they were just sort of more like yeah written to to a brief and didn't didn't come from an inspiration they came mm. from an assignment where I had to lock myself in a room for a day and go, oh, I've got college tomorrow. I better write something because I've got to perform in front of the class. And rather than it just be a sort of more of a magical kind of way. But I did think about one of the songs that I wrote on that course, actually, and realize now, sort of 10 years on, that it's a very commercial song. And actually, it's very timely because of lockdown and everything. It's a song called Beautiful Sky, and it's got a really catchy chorus and it's about having enough time to kind of stop and look at the sky it's so simple but now I've realized that that Mm. probably would be a good song to put out now yeah um so I think I think it's good to have and it's probably the same with painting and the same with writing I think it's good to have like a toolkit of sort of um things that you can that you've learned you know textbook stuff or you've learned from other writers other painters that you can kind of draw on to hone your skill, but at the same time not losing the, the inspiration and what comes from the heart, what comes from the soul, um, and then knowing when to kind of mix them. I guess it's like, you know, when 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 people are cooking and recipes and making cakes, you kind of trial trial and error of, mm-hmm. of sort of a bit of your own your own kind of style, um, but also what you've learnt. Um, and, and I feel at the moment that I'm... I'm a lot less attached to my songs, which feels quite nice. Mm. Yeah. What would you say is the work that you're most proud of as an artist? Um, I think um, it's sort of finally getting the albums kind of done and it's such a kind of tiring sort of um, long process doing an album. So that's always really great when you've actually finished it and it's all arrived without 
you know, everything being in the wrong order and on the wrong page <laughs> and a complete disaster yeah. because, you know, it so easily could be. So that's always nice. Um, and I think things, I think just sort of stick, what I'm most proud of, I think, is just not giving up and keeping keeping going. And even though I'm still sort of doing everything myself, um, I've realised that um, that's probably been a blessing really um so i think staying independent and um yeah i just feel i feel that sticking with it and um arranging my own tours and just sort of getting out there and doing it and showing up for things i always feel so glad that i've done those done those things because sometimes it's so easy to kind of just go oh right this is this is too much like hard work um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh this I is hard do, this is, yeah. <laughs> okay. why am I still you know it's I like, thought I was just, just supposed to be sitting next to the queen and having like Scottish air <laughs> breathe inspiration and having something. tea <laughs> but it, it's just like there's things like I think sometimes you just feel it's a bit stupid like I'm making this video at the moment for this this rings of satin single and I'm finding myself like doing the most ridiculous things like you know to, on my on my list to do today is I'm you know trying to find a bonsai tree you know and, like, and then I'm going oh do I need a kimono and I'm like where can I get a kimono from for like Tuesday and I'm like oh my god I'm actually seriously thinking about these things and then I'm writing a list and then I'm thinking god this is just so much energy and so much hassle but then I know that at the end of it it will actually make for a nice it, it will make nice yeah. viewing hopefully um and it's worth it <laughs> hopefully <laughs> for sure um so something that I love about Deborah is that she really shares her music in like really interesting ways um and one of those ways is teaching and we kind of we touched on that earlier with um her degree and how that's helped her but I just was wondering if you could just say a, a couple things about your work um she does songwriting courses not currently because of COVID, but typically um, in prisons and in, um, I don't know, you call them care homes there, or mm, um, yeah. she does work care with homes. Um, older people with uh, dementia. Dementia, yeah. Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just wondering if you could just say a couple things about that and kind of how that has affected your view of your work and just the things that you've learned uh, from from doing that yeah well the the work with people with dementia was sort of inspired by my grandmother uh, she was in a home and both my grandparents suffered with dementia so I would kind of go in and sing for them um, and then that sort of became more that I would sing for the other people and then it was like a kind of party in my nan's room where everybody would come in and so I would sort of get um, regular regular kind of work then at that care home and then I sort of set up um I got a grant to buy some equipment like a little amplifier and microphone and things for a, from a social enterprise company um so then that's when I started singing in care homes as part of my job um 
do you call them residential homes or or nursing homes? You know? Nursing home. homes. Yeah, we call. Yeah. yeah, we say nursing homes. So, so I would literally be just doing you know our concerts at each care home, and they would help with memory. It would help with um, just relaxing people, um, and um, it was a, so it wasn't music therapy as such because I didn't ever study music therapy. But I would just be taking music into places where people couldn't actually come out to concerts. Um, mm. So that work kind of developed, and then there was an arts company locally that employed me to do a songwriting um, project where I would write with the carers, so it could be the husband or the wife of somebody who has dementia, and we would try and write about um, memories. And um, it was actually a project with a museum where we would take in interesting objects from museums um, that would try and initiate memories from the past. Um, and then we made a CD, um, and um, so that was like a really interesting project. So these things have kind of come kind of... Um, I didn't expect I never really expected that to kind of happen but it's been a sort of natural progression of the work that it's gone into more of a healing sort of field without mm. having done any qualifications or training in it it's sort of naturally been a bit of a calling I think I always feel like I'm kind of doing it in sort of honor of my grandparents um that side of things um and then the prison work came um that came again just by you know I never ever imagined that I'd be working in a, a really you know quite a a um a big prison in Wolverhampton um and um how that came about was just a conversation at a charity concert um I said I would be quite interesting in observing a musician going in um and before I know it then I I can't quite remember the chain of events, but I was, um, I found myself being asked to deliver um, a songwriting course for a group of 10 inmates in the jail, to which I never planned anything. I just turned up with my guitar and sort of prayed a lot and hoped for the best. <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did it go? It was amazing. I think that's probably one of the best things I've ever done in my life. It was the most incredible mm. week um, because I never imagined that it would turn out the way that it did. Um, it started off just having no idea what was going to happen. And then we wrote these songs and people were responding so well to it. They were talking about childhood trauma. They'd been through men, grown men who'd you know, committed some of the worst crimes, were crying as they were free writing about their experiences, putting them into music. Collaborations were happening, you know, different gang members um, started to kind of duet oh. together. And it was all just this revelation of um, a, a real strong force of um, of spirit. I really felt guided because it was, it was so um, difficult holding the energy of a space like that where people have short attention spans violent tendencies um a lot of confrontation a lot of pent-up energy so for me the challenge was how do I keep everybody interested and engaged and creative and with the help of prayer and bringing in certain um spiritual books and inspirational books um, we ended up making a documentary, which was what um, Christina saw and which led Christina to work on her 
her project in, in that field was that um, we at the beginning of the course I didn't know I was going to record the songs and I didn't know I was going to make this documentary but what I was seeing uh, was happening it was I knew I had to somehow document it so um, a, a documentary maker from Wales I knew him and I f- phoned him up and said hey what are you doing on Friday he's like oh why what what's going on what are you doing you're doing a gig I was like well um, I wondered if you wanted to come to jail and he was like oh oh I've never been asked for that before <laughs> like, yeah what do I need to do um, I said right I'll put your name on the gate and um, and then he came and uh, we filmed a documentary about it and all the inmates were talking about the power of music and songwriting and how it had given them confidence self-esteem hope something that their parents or their families could be proud of, that they were doing something really creative, something they never thought they'd do. Because a lot of these men, they weren't musicians, they weren't writers. And some of the songs that were created were just because we created together, like this beautiful safe space where Mm. people felt that they could tell their story, um, which was what really I learned by going to these workshops in Nashville I, I was learning to find my voice through those workshops and then I didn't realise at the time what I was doing was also learning how to offer that to other people. So that was a, a kind of, especially because Mary Gaucher, the woman who led the workshops, she specialises in trauma um, because she works with uh, wounded veterans Um and um, that was a strong focus of her course of um, songwriting being a way of overcoming PTSD even. So then I was I found myself doing that with these really um, damaged and, and men with, you know, very cha- had very challenging lives. So then that led to a contract with me working at a women's prison. Um, but I only managed to deliver one course. Um, oh no, actually, I did. I did a, a, a six-day course um, a few years ago at this women's prison, um, and then I was offered a contract um, to do one year with them. But I only managed to deliver one workshop before lockdown, and now, um, uh, yeah, and now that they they're without any any COVID. kind of resource. <laughs> I know, Aww. so it's so sad for them because they don't have any kind of creative activity and mm. sort of lockdown within lockdown but um yeah. yeah that 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 work for me really it takes it to another level because um it just um yeah i i wouldn't want to do just the songwriting without doing the 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 healing side of it um and the teaching because that's it's just so fulfilling and it makes days like when you're running around looking for a bonsai tree um, <laughs> kind of feel a little bit more yeah, kind of like worth worthwhile. Yeah. You know, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the songs are just, they're amazing. You can uh, hear them, right? They're on your website. Those songs as well as the yeah. documentary, I think, are on your website. That's right. Yeah, on the SoundCloud links. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll probably drop some of those links definitely later um okay so what would be some advice you give to aspiring artists i think for all the people who are gonna go watch that documentary and think how do i do this (laughs) i think it's about following the 
following the thread, the threads and just being really open and aware of where life is kind of guiding you and to to just stay open, stay open minded and um, just like kind of keeping your eyes and your ears open to what the possibilities are with what you can do and being brave enough, like having courage and knowing to uh, take those opportunities even if it means that they're kind of not going to work out it's still better to have tried things um, because you never know where that that's going to kind of lead um, so I think and it's about perseverance and not giving up and just keep going and I think that um, it's kind of I know it sounds like a cliche about the sort of journey of it, but I think sometimes you can kind of think, oh, I haven't got this or focus on the things that you haven't got. Like, you know, you don't have the the record deal or you don't have, um, can sometimes be hard to kind of ass- assess whether you've actually got a career or not. If you're, unless you, when you're independent, it can be, it can be quite challenging to sort of work out, um, sort of where you're at with things um but I think having a kind of close network of supportive people is really important um to sort of to encourage you to keep going um because then you look back and even though you think that you haven't really progressed you look back and you think oh actually that those times where I was really worrying and thinking oh I should do something different you think oh I did that and I did that and I did that and that's all what makes mm-hmm. you know who you are that's so it's kind of like the journey if that makes sense yeah, yeah. it, it reminds that reminds me synchronicity of like this morning mm-hmm. in um church we were taking communion um we were mm. all socially distanced and we put the communion under our masks but um, i did the same <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, in it um uh, my pastor was talking about how we, a lot of communion is about remembering and our identity is so rooted in what we can remember, which is why it's so hard when we have people who get dementia or who forget who they are and why it's important to have the ritual of remembering so we are rooted in our identity of Christ. And I was like, oh, yeah, I need to remember. Like when I have, Mm. like, friction with, like, um, someone in my family or if I have, like, a lot of self-doubt, like how important it is to always be remembering yeah that's that's really beautiful yeah and I I found some notes today actually in a notebook that I bought when I was with you Christina which um has the Corinthians on the front walk by faith and the song that I'd written was called remembering and I haven't I haven't haven't Mm. finished it it's called remembering (laughs) yeah maybe it's a collab maybe it's a podcast yeah speaking of uh, projects coming up. Um, I know you mentioned your single, and you are working on an album. Is that right, or just yes. a single? Well, I'm working on an album, and I've got um, two songs that I recorded before lockdown. Um, I was hoping to have had like the whole album done by now, but um, <laughs> well, uh, can't do but, it all. Um, <laughs> well, you can't when you're not allowed out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. to your room for months. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the album, um, this theme of this album is going to be about, um, like solitude and peace and friendship Mm -hmm. and, um, 
That's so yeah. relevant right now to, mm. <laughs> to and everybody in it. the world. And I was writing it before I knew all this was going to, we say all of this is going to happen, <laughs> don't we? That's the kind of thing, all of this stuff. Um, yeah. So it feels yeah. quite inspired, um, the themes. And luckily I got the two songs done before lockdown because it's kind of given me something to do. Um, otherwise I think I'd be feeling really sad about not being able to get into a studio and because that element I enjoy so much so at least I've got two two professionally recorded songs <laughs> that I can kind of release now until I can get back in the studio and record the rest of them yes hopefully sooner rather than later mm, yeah 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 um so we have been going through a Twilight art book and she had all of these questions so we thought we'd ask you some of them um and they're just supposed to be like really quick answers if you're able to um just the top off the top of your head i did some of these myself and it was really hard for me to do them off the top of my head so um what is the first creative moment you remember drawing um an angel fish with my grandmother and painting (laughs) it in blue and yellow and thinking it was a masterpiece and i think i was on the ferry to france at the time oh, it was so, so beautiful <laughs> i can't Aww. paint now at all I can't <laughs> <paint>. <laughs> um, and how do you begin your day coffee That's all right, right. Yeah. <laughs> i love coffee so much kimbo coffee mm. what is it <laughs> it's called kimbo it's italian coffee it's just the best it's so delicious i don't know about this Oh, I have to look it up. I have to look it up. I recommend it. It's so nice. It's oh. very smooth. Look at now, the website. in England, do they make their coffee the way we make it in America? Or is it more like, like when I've been in Spain, it's like everything is just very, very strong. Like, Christina, when you were in Italy, you had the same experience of like, their coffee is like what like to us is like espresso. espresso. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the same menu as like what you guys would have because you can have like a cortado or a macchiato or a mm-hmm. cappuccino and or an espresso if you want. But if you order a coffee in a, in Italy, you will often will get the espresso, won't you? And they don't put milk. But mm-hmm. here, you just people will know what they want, and it's probably more common that people would have an americano or a flat white or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that rather than an espresso. Mm-hmm which obviously in Italy, it's like, that's just what you get given. Yeah. 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 Like when <laughs> yeah. I was in Spain, whenever I asked for coffee, it was always mm. like espresso. And I was like, yeah. all right, time to sweat. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to be buzzing all day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. How do you guys take naps with all this espresso? <laughs> yeah. How do you have a siesta? Ah. Yeah. How would you define music? Muse. Muse. Oh, Muse, sorry. Oh, Muse. <laughs> I was going to say oh, Muse. Um, muse. Um, I just say, like, inspiration and that word meaning in spirit, you know. So I'd say, for me, it's, it's yeah, God, really. Muse. Mm. Mm. What is your ideal creative activity? Songwriting. <laughs> good answer. Good one. Yeah, recording. Yeah. 
Um, mm. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for being here. We loved talking to you. And um, if anybody is interested in um, hearing more of Deborah's music or finding out more about her um, various work in prisons and care homes, you can go to deborahrose.co.uk. So deborahrose.co.uk. And she has her music and her work and um, all kinds of things on her website. Um, but thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been so lovely. You're yeah, very good real... interviewers. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Christina. She oh, organized it. Uh, but it's been a real uh, pleasure. Yeah. It's been so lovely. I hear the call and this world's no longer mine. Cause I don't wanna swim and shout. Thank you for listening to Coffee and Creatives. We hope you enjoyed our show. Our theme music is by Patrick Nichols. Derek McCauley and Patrick Nichols are our sound engineers. Anna Wayne is our social media creative. And Christina Nichols is our special event and guest creative. Rebecca McCauley is our writing content creative. And Noelle McManus is our creative director. To learn more about our creative journey, check out our Instagram at coffee underscore and underscore creatives. Or... Check out our website at www.coffeeandcreativesproject.com. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. 